You are listening to another message from Ron Rhodes. Our prayer is that this message will speak to you and Jesus will change your life. For more resources or to get in touch with Ron, you can visit him on his website at www.ronrhodes.org. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now get this, verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. In quotation marks, God has come to help his people. That's a great place to say amen. Amen. God has come to help his people. That's right from the word of God. It doesn't matter if nobody else is going to help you out. You can wake up every morning claiming this word that almighty God of this universe has come to help you. Amen? It doesn't matter what you face. God has come to help you today. Father, I pray for your anointed upon this time of the word. Lord, prepare us for a time of the altar today. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Before you're seated, give someone a big hug and say, you look wonderful. Praise the Lord. I grew up in western Oklahoma in a small town. And one of the things that I'm sure even here in this community, you understand what I'm talking about, but... When you would see a funeral procession, that long line of cars with their headlights on following the hearse to the graveyard, there was an unwritten rule and a respect for the family that if you saw that, it didn't matter where you were headed, it didn't matter if you were running late, it didn't matter what you were doing, there was a respect for that family that you would stop you would pull off to the side of the road and you would let them pass by. You would, I mean, I live in Dallas. I've lived in the Dallas area for about 18 years. I can assure you this does not happen there. But in a small community where I grew up, that was just something that was done out of respect. I mean, there was just some unwritten rules. And I remember as a kid seeing farmers on their tractors in the field of a funeral procession would go by. They would stop plowing. They would take off their hat. People mowing their yards would stop, take off their hat, and bow their heads out of respect. People in a hurry, in a rush, would pull over to the side of the road and allow it completely to pass. You would never think about getting involved in a funeral procession. You would never pass them. You would never get involved at an intersection. You would just never do that. Now, this scripture that I just read is about a funeral procession. Here is a broken, grieving mother that is walking behind the casket of her dead little boy. And she's headed to the grave. 
And you see, this woman understood what this was all about because she had already went through this with her own husband because the Bible says she was a widow. Now, I want you to get inside the mind of this mother, no doubt. She is broken. She is grieving. She is weeping. And no doubt she has prayed and prayed and prayed, God, heal my son. Don't let my son die. And maybe, just maybe, this is where this mother was as she's walking to the grave and she's looking at the coffin of her dead little boy. Maybe, just maybe, like so many people, when life throws you a curve and you're overwhelmed with life, like so many people, when things like this happen, maybe you begin to question whether God answers prayer. Maybe you begin to question whether there truly is a God. Maybe you begin to question where God is. And at this overwhelming, emotional, broken time as she's walking to the grave, getting ready to put her son into the earth. There just so happens to be another procession that just so happens to be crossing paths with this funeral procession. Just so happens, right? Isn't it amazing when God shows up in people's life, how so many times people think it's a coincidence? But let me tell you about this other procession that comes upon this funeral procession. It is a procession that is the exact opposite because it's a procession being led by Jesus Christ himself. It's not a procession of death. It's not a procession headed to the grave, but it is a procession of life and resurrection because he says, I've come to give life. And here is Jesus and the disciples, and they come up on this funeral procession. And you know what Jesus could have done when he saw this? He could have said, everybody quiet. Shh. Guys, stop. Take off your hats. Bow your heads. Let's respect the dead. He could have said, look. Oh, boy's already dead. Headed to the grave. It's over. It's done. Let's not get involved. Let's show respect. Let's listen to the natural laws. He could have done that. But I got good news for you this morning, church. God is not afraid to get involved in our funeral processions. He doesn't care what's in your coffin this morning. He doesn't care what seems to be dead. He's not afraid. You see, when everybody else is afraid to touch it and everybody else thinks it's too far gone, you can look at your bank account today and think it's too far gone. You can get, be so far behind on your, on your bank note on your house and think it's too far gone and you're going to lose your house. You can think your marriage is over. You can think the disease has spread way too far. But let me tell you about my God. He is not afraid to get involved in our funeral processions. He is not going to hold back. When when everybody else is afraid to jump in the middle of it, that's when he walks in. You see, he walked right over to this grieving, broken-hearted mother. And do you know what he did? He walked up to her. She's looking at the coffin of her dead little boy. He walks over to her and says, don't cry. Don't cry? Don't cry? Are you kidding me? What is going on here? Let me tell you something. Before God would minister to the physical need, he said, I'm going to minister to the emotional need. Let me tell you, we serve a God that understands the emotional needs of your life. He understands depression. He understands loneliness. He understands the broken hearts. And he recognized, before I'm going to minister to the physical need in this mother's life, I'm going to minister to the emotional needs. Let me try to communicate to you what he was doing because he did not walk up to this mother 
And by saying don't cry, he didn't say, come on, you big crybaby. Come on, buck up, buckaroo. Come on, you're, you're a believer, right? Come on, the sun's going to rise again. You'll get past it. Come on, quit crying, you big crybaby. That's not what he was doing. You know what he was doing? Let me try to explain. My little girl, Taylor, just had her birthday yesterday. She's getting ready to turn 11 years old. But when she was a baby, she had to have a surgery. She was a baby. Couldn't explain to her anything. She didn't know. She's just a baby. And I'll never forget that day that they came and got us and said, she's out of surgery. You can come into the recovery room. And this is what this dad saw when I walked into the recovery room. A little baby that couldn't understand anything. All she knew was she was feeling the weirdness of coming out of un under the anesthesia. She was feeling the pain of the surgery. She was overwhelmed. She was in a scary place. She was fearful. She, I mean, her eyes were big. She was crying. She was flailing her arm. There were wonderful nurses standing there trying to console her, but she didn't know them. They were strangers. So she was in this crazy place of, of, of weirdness and fear and, and, and pain and hurt and, and the unknown. And so she's crying and flailing her arms and her eyes were so big full of fear. And she's weeping and all these elements of emotions are around her. That's what I saw. That's what I saw with my little girl. And you know what? You know what a dad does? Do you know what a daddy does? He would never walk out of that room. He would never turn his back to his child that's weeping and brokenhearted and, and an emotional wreck and overwhelmed. You know what a dad does? You know what a mom does? You know what a parent does? They walk over to that table and they pick up their little girl in their arms like this dad did. And you know what I did? I picked her up on my strong arms, a strength that she didn't have, understanding about what was happening that she did not have. And I picked her up in my arms and I said, don't cry. Daddy's here. It's going to be okay. Don't cry. Daddy's here. It's going to be okay. And you know what? She didn't have to have one ounce of strength. She didn't have to have any kind of understanding. She didn't have to know anything. All she had to count on at that point was the strength of her daddy. And I began to pat on her back. And you know what? She immediately began to smell the smell of her daddy that she knew well. She immediately began to hear the voice of her daddy that she knew well. She immediately looked in the eyes of her dad that weren't scared, that weren't fearful, that weren't overwhelmed. And she drew from that. And immediately the, st the crying stopped and she began to calm down. And a calmness came over her. Let me tell you, that's what Jesus was doing that day on that road to that grave. Daddy stepped out of heaven and he stepped to where one of his little girls is weeping and brokenhearted, and he said, don't cry. Daddy's here. That's what Jesus was doing that day. He was jumping in the middle of someone's funeral procession, and he was saying, don't cry. Daddy's here. Because that's what daddies do. And that's what your heavenly father does. I went through cancer a few years ago, and I remember going through the radiation treatment. And if you're familiar with radiation treatment, they shut the huge steel door every day. And it was a powerful time of, of great struggle. Because the kind of surgery I had, the doctor did not warn me that I could fall into a medical depression. And that's what happened. I want you to know something. I don't like telling this. 
But I want you to know something. That no matter what your emotional struggle is today, God understands. I lay there on that radiation table every day as they getting ready to infiltrate my body with poison. And the enemy would try to come in and say, you're in your own funeral procession. You're going to die. You're not going to share the gospel anymore. You're not going to forward in your ministry. You don't even want to live. You're overwhelmed. You're depressed. The cancer has spread. You're not going to make it. You see, nobody can know that I was depressed because I'm a minister. I'm the evangelist. I mean, I can't show up at some church and say, well, church, bless God, let's have a great revival. Your evangelist is depressed. Can't do that. So it was a personal struggle, just like somebody in this room right now, and that's why God's having me share this right now, is because it's a personal struggle that nobody else needs or, or, or that you are willing to tell anybody else, listen to me, this is the key that's going to unlock the door, and you need to know today that you're not alone in your personal struggle, and you're not defeated either. And you know what would happen at Medical City Hospital for five weeks, Monday through Friday, every day, as I went into that radiation room, and I lay on that radiation table, and everybody else had to leave the room because they couldn't stand the heat, and they couldn't stand the radiation, and everybody would have to get out, and everybody would have to leave, and the enemy would try to lie to me and deceive me and say, you're all alone, and you're going to die, and you're not going to make it, and you're never going to preach again, and nothing is going to happen but pain and sorrow until you die. Let me tell you what would happen that day as I was in my own funeral procession. That's when Jesus got involved, and he just happened to know where the radiation treatment room was, and he would walk in when everybody else had to get out. Let me tell you, that's what God does when nobody else can stand the heat and nobody else wants to get involved and nobody else wants to touch the situation or believe that is there's hope. Let me tell you, that's when Jesus walks in. That's when Jesus walked in, and it wasn't too long after that that God walked in, and he began to do a transformation. And let me tell you, I don't care if it's medical depression. I don't care if it's brought on by some other traumatic thing in your life. Let me tell you, God is not only the healer of cancer, but he's the healer of depression. He's the healer of oppression. He's the healer of possession. He's the healer of no matter what you're facing, he understands the emotional battles of our lives. He's your healer. And so you have to understand, as Jesus stood in front of that woman that day, and he was saying, don't cry. It wasn't that he was being insensitive to the moment, and that he really was coming down on her for crying. He was saying, your tears can stop now because daddy's here. Resurrection's here. Hope's here. Life's here. Pastor, as he was praying earlier and God was flowing through him, and he says, somebody's here. It's ready to give up. And he spoke the words. He says, you need, to, you need the embrace of Jesus today. That's what Jesus was doing right here in this word. He was embracing a mother. You need to understand this. After he ministered to the emotional need, God showed me something powerful about this. I want you to get in your mind four, six guys that are carrying this boy. And Jesus walks over 
and he puts a hand to the coffin. And those carrying it stopped. They stood still. You know what Jesus was doing? He was not only saying something in the physical realm, but he was saying something in the spiritual realm. He was saying, this coffin has went far enough. The death and the destruction has went far enough. Somebody needs to know that God's getting involved right now, and he's putting a hand to the coffin, and the death against your finances, and against your business, and against your marriage, and against your children, and against your body, it's went far enough. Come on, God's doing something in the spiritual realm right now. Right now in this place quit trying to wait for an altar call God's getting involved right now and he's putting a hand to the coffin and everything has to stop let me tell you somebody get your shout ready somebody's gonna want to shout listen to what God showed me he said when I touch the coffin the devil has to take his hand off when I touch the coffin death has to let go cancer has to let go pain has to let go come on saints of God God's wanting to touch a coffin Somebody, you've let everybody else touch your coffin. Why don't you let Jesus touch it this morning? Have you let everybody else tell you what to believe and tell you what to do? Why don't you let, oh, come on. Let the power and the Messiah and the resurrector touch your coffin today. When nothing else will work, he will always work. Said when Jesus said, when I touch your coffin, when I touch your situation, when I touch your dead, diseased, seeming like it's over situation, when I touch it, whew, it's like you touching a hot stove. Satan takes his hand off as fast as he can. Demonic attack. They don't want any part of that. Somebody's going to get the victory here today. Because you're getting this in your spirit and your heart. Let that sink in right now. Let that sink in. When he stopped him and he put a hand to that coffin, he made a bold statement in the physical, in the spiritual realm. This coffin's not going to the grave. This boy's not done. And then you know what he said? He says, young man, I say to you, get up. Do you know what had to happen? Little boy had to get up. Do you know why we don't see more dead raised? Because you don't pray for the dead. It's just like you can't have a miracle until you have an impossibility. Don't you love it when God puts you in a position you have to trust me? Young man, I say to you, get up. Can you imagine that little boy waking up in a dark coffin? I don't know about you, but I'm freaking out if that's you. I mean, come on. Can't you just see the little boy just banging? Help me. Let me out, Mom. I promise I won't hit her ever again. I'll take out the trash. I promise. I don't know about you, but if I'm the guys carrying the dead kid and I hear stuff inside, I'm dropping and running. If I'm driving the hearse and the guy in the back sits up and starts talking, I'm out of there. I'm not even putting it in park. Think about it. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. So many times we miss out on the miracle that God has is because we get caught up more in the coffin than we do from the words of Jesus. 
You see, he had to, he already spoke the words of life, but somebody had to rip that coffin lid off to receive the miracle. They could have buried that little boy alive. I wonder how many situations are getting buried alive that Jesus says, I've already spoken life into that situation. God's telling someone right now, it's not dead. Don't give up. Don't quit. You just got to start ripping the coffin lid off and embrace your miracle. Everybody stand with me right now. This concludes another message by Ron Rhodes. We hope this has been an encouragement to you. For more information on resources like this, you can visit us online at www.ronrhodes.org.